Blue Wire. The Philadelphia 76ers select Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. Here comes Simmons between the legs. Welcome, everybody, to another emergency episode of the New Slant. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Newback. This week, once again, our podcast being brought to you by Untuck It. So thank you very much to them. With me, as always, my buddy Seamus Clancy. Seamus, have you come down from the high of Ben Simmons making a three yet? A day I never thought we'd see. I don't know about never, but it's certainly uh, not this seemed, year or anytime it, soon. Yeah, I mean the way we've been talking lately, it certainly seemed out in the distance. I just want to say before we really get into this, it's about goddamn time. Like the, this needed to happen for yeah. Let's take the kids' gloves off as much <laughs> as I'm excited about it. Yeah, it's, it, it's about time. This needed to happen a while ago. It was great that it happened, but that's my initial thought. Seeing it happen, obviously the fan reaction was just incredible but thank you for finally doing it so that we can the it's it's out of the way for everybody yeah like what if it's like Furcon we were saying he needed to hit that game winner against Portland to unlock his shooting potential degree what if Ben just like all right I'm gonna go sit in the corner whenever we have a secondary ball here and there and Jay Rich out there and just pop him his form looked good a lot of, yeah. times, his, a lot of times his form look doesn't look great not that I'm a shock doctor Neither regard. one of us are shot doctors. No, Otherwise, no, so I'd be gonna... posting Instagram videos of got my clients that I'm. Yeah, training. I mean, I just want to make not. I don't want to pretend I'm this scout mess or anything. But from a general perspective, it seems good. Yeah, I mean, to me, obviously, him making it is part of why it was such a a huge reaction. If he if he misses it, I don't give a shit. Yeah, right. But the fact that I think what was really important about that opening quarter not just that play it was the Knicks come out and once Mitchell Robinson came into the game they started throwing some zone looks at Philly and so when that happens Ben standing in the dunker spot is even more useless than it would be otherwise and so he's he's just saying a lot right obviously but so he's forced into a spot where obviously he hasn't spent much time on the perimeter and he kept going there it wasn't just that one shot it was him trying to space the floor and making a real concerted effort to do that and that that's a reflection of stuff that the coaching staff has been telling him that's stuff that he's been working on and so that if nothing else that was a positive step in the right direction I like this little cocky jog back after immediately he shot it. Like he didn't look for, <laughs> he didn't follow the shot, didn't look for a rebound, just kind of knew it went in and played it like he'd been there before. He's such a and, perplexing guy in that, that way. I mean, that's totally a Ben move, and I'm, yeah. I, I liked it. It was, it was fine. I do, but at this, at the same time, once he gets asked about it after the game, it's, it's like, what did he, he say? He was very short, and that's very classic Ben. I think that the answers that he gives on his jumper compared to everything else are just absolutely abysmal. It's just like, yeah, it's, it felt good. Good to, good to do that. Like just really basic. Yeah. But you don't also want him quotes. to be like, Oh my God, this is like, I'm so happy to no. get the monkey <laughs> off my back. Like this is like the turning, like just like act like this is what he should have been doing to begin with attempting three pointers, given that he yes. is a permanent oriented player in the NBA. So I'm happy he's taking it. I don't know if in stride is the right word, but just, acting normal it no but be nor- so the reaction isn't normal but it should be a normal occurrence the difference 
all I'm saying is that when he gives answers on playing defense, for example, he his engagement level he with was the great on questions D&D. is way higher. Yeah, we'll get to that in a sec. But when he answers those questions, he's a lot more engaging and thoughtful, and he's very capable of that. It's not like Ben is this like dumb, rockhead, meathead athlete that doesn't have things to say. And I think that has been sort of the challenge here is like I would love to have like actual conversations and dialogue with him about this. But I think, and this is not exclusive to him, this is sort of a a symptom of where we are as a like a, a culture is when people hear criticism and they hear people talking about what their weaknesses are they tend to just see everybody the same instead of the people who want to talk about it with nuance and the people who just want to say shoot a three you coward and so i would love to to do like a deep dive with him on things like that i'm sure lots of other media members would but if if that's how he wants to go about it as long as he's happy with that and he keeps making progress with the shot it, it ultimately doesn't really matter i think obviously the fans don't really care about what he says about the shot as long as he's taking and making them what was your immediate reaction what was the reaction on press row obviously people aren't cheering and shit like that over there but just what was the general the Derek bodner screaming yell well i don't i sit you you know he's a very animated fellow oh yeah well i sit on like the opposite end of our row from yeah who are you sitting with who's your crew so normally i sit next to keith pompey of the inquirer and jack mccaffrey of meeting at the times neither one of them was there tonight to the shock of all shocks we're not there for the event of the millennium for the sixers yeah jack didn't record it on his little tape deck four track player not quite little, but but yes, it was yes, not. Definitely, definitely not little. <laughs> but so I'm sitting next to Mark Narducci from the Inquirer, and I think everybody was just like, I saw him in the corner, and I was like, ah, he's just gonna do what he always does. Then you see him; it was just instantaneous. He caught it. He rises up and he shoots like he's a normal shooting basketball player. And I just did the like eyebrow raise and was a little aghast. And then it goes in and. Even if I had made a noise, I don't think you would have heard it because that arena just went absolutely ballistic. Were you watching that at home or where were you at tonight? I was watching at home. I have season tickets. I've said that a few times in the pod. Just want to make no big deal to you. No, never. Uh, but a lot of times I'll sell some of the weekday games just because it's a hassle with work, and then also just they recoup some yeah. of the other financial obligations, especially with a team like the Knicks, where there are a lot of New York transplants here. Who, regardless of how well the Knicks are playing, they'll sell pretty well next games so i was like what the hell I'll just sell them chill at home relax and then that happens i'm like of course all the shitty games i've gone to in my life and i've like <laughs> sold the tickets for this like i'd rather have my you know 60 bucks back or whatever well isn't that sort of the bucks. that's sort of the beauty of sports though right you show up and you never really know yeah I'd, I'd, gl- I'd gladly not go for him to make one do you know what i mean i'll take i'll yeah. take the loss on myself Exactly, but but it's why people will stay to the end of games even oh, when yeah. the team is getting blown out and, and things like that. Like you have the, there are two types of people in life. There's the person who wants to leave early to beat the traffic, and there's the the person who is going to sit there to the bitter end, hoping and praying that the team that he roots for, he or she roots for. I'm not trying to be exclusive here, that they're going to come back and and do something crazy and you show up for these moments that are unexpected and actually speaking of uh mark narducci the last time that he was solo at a home game covering the game 
was for the Inquirer was the Carl Anthony Towns Joel Embiid fight, and he was actually him and Tom Moore. Shout out Tom Moore and his terrible jokes, by the way. Love we're Tom talk- Moore. The, we're talking and like, man, I hope we just get a very normal, nondescript game while I'm on. Uh, while Mark was on solo duty, and I was like, well, now that you said it, something's definitely going to happen. And lo and behold, something did indeed happen. Ben Simmons made all of his one three pointers tonight. That's Tom would say. <laughs> made one of his one three pointers. <laughs> just be careful what you wish for. Is uh, is all I'm saying there. So. The other thing with Ben tonight, obviously the three is the big the big headline. I thought the more important thing that when they got down in that game and it, it really looked like the Knicks were going to land a kill shot, which I didn't even know the Knicks were capable of. Turns out they're not. But Ben just took his intensity level to just a place I haven't really seen before on the defensive end. I mean, he, actually, he absolutely – carried them on defense from about midway through the third quarter for really the rest of the game and I know he came into the year saying I want to be the best defensive player on the team obviously he is his effort and his play there has not been consistently good or great no it hasn't I mean he was that was ferocious performance he was a dog if you want that is the snapshot of that is what apex Ben Simmons looks like on defense and I I think one of the things that really stood out to me because he's so nondescript a lot of the time is he was vocal and like clapping his hands when you make plays and doing the stuff that you would think somebody like a TJ McConnell would do and that was I think that's encouraging to see from him that's him taking real ownership of that leadership position that he has on this team was this Ben Simmons apex mountain (laughs) That was one of the worst Bill Simmons impressions. I mean, there, uh, well, to be fair, there are, it's a stacked community of people in the Sixers Twitter world who do it well between Capelli and Killacow. Kill, shout out Killacow, the uh, one of the the true goats on Twitter. But he runs his material by me. No big deal to me either. <laughs> but point being here is that Ben, I thought that was that's the best I've ever seen him on defense for an extended period of time. Obviously, he's had tougher matchups but I thought that was a real response to a a moment where that team easily could have folded do you think it's linked to the confidence he eschewed after making that three-pointer that he felt like this is my game I'm locked in not that he's not locked in other times but he does seem a little passive at times as we could say if that's a little more positive way of spinning it but do you think his defensive engagement and his thought process that saying, I'm not losing this game, I made this shot, I want that to, not that saying he wants to be the focus, but he wants this to be kind of a lasting game in his career? No, I mean, I think that those things are always interconnected. And I write about this all the time, that one of the things that tends to impress me about Joel Embiid is that there are nights when he and he was just bad tonight. We don't need to talk much about him. I looked at the box score. I was like, I thought he sucked. It was so his box score was fine. His box score was fine, but he was not good. But there are a lot of nights where Joel is maybe not great offensively, but he still brings it on defense. And I think that's a special that's a special trait. Like not a lot of guys are capable of that. It sucks, or even have the attitude to do it. Right. It's it sucks playing defense when you're just the fun part of the game on the other end is not working for you. And so I think it'd be naive to think that 
whether it's Ben hitting a three or just Ben playing well on offense and guys hitting shots off of his passes just makes him feel good and gets the, the flow of the team going. It would be naive to think that there's no impact there from like there's no connection between the two sides of the court like if you just look at the teams that create turnovers and can get out and run that that feeds their offense and that's the what we see play out but there's also the mental side of that you don't you want to be on the team that just creates that avalanche and so the small things like ben hitting a shot or just james ennis getting going a little bit those those all make a difference in the end and i certainly think that he took ownership of this game, whether that's because the three got him off on the right foot and it was off to the races from there. It's impossible to say without uh, being inside Ben Simmons's brain. But the more the more confident he is on offense, the better he's going to be and the better this team is going to be. I wholeheartedly believe that. What do you think would be more impressive for him to start shooting off the dribble or this just simple catch and shoot motion? I like, when you're talking about being on press row and watching it, I think that if you knew nothing about the Sixers, you knew nothing about Ben Simmons and the entire narrative that has been going on for the last couple of years, if you just watched that as an objective basketball fan, you would have thought that guy was a normal shooter. You wouldn't have thought anything crazy of that situation. Right. I, I at, at this point, mostly because it's more realistic, I think the focus has to be on, on catch and shoot. And partially because... It's more that, reasonable. It's more reasonable, but also because that makes life easier in terms of the rest of the guys and how he can play off of them. Because him turning into a a pull-up guy, is that's just so far down the road. But it opens up different lineup possibilities. We saw him play with Trey Burke in the fourth quarter tonight. And even though Burke was not like a blinding, it wasn't like a blindingly great quarter for Burke, you could see that just having dribblers on the court makes a difference. When you play guys that can handle the basketball and shoot and do different things, it makes a difference for a team. And so that when Ben, when and or if Ben becomes a three-point shooting threat, it opens up all kinds of possibilities for this team in terms of who they can play, when they can play those guys. And and that really, like, ultimately, that's why we talk about this so much is because this singular thing is the key to unlocking everything for this team. And that's, I don't think that's overselling it. Do so you think he's ever will, in a position uh, to sh- shoot off the dribble? Do you think that'll happen this year? Only like a non oh, quarter no. yeah, end no. of the quarter thing? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think that's the best thing. That's the best route to him getting to be a three point shooter right now is just sitting in the corner, catch and shoot guy uh, doing that, as you kind of alluded to earlier, instead of just being sitting there in the dunker spot. Right. Because like, up his ass. like thinking, <laughs> think about just like a Joel Embiid post up. If if Joel is getting double teamed and it's Simmons's guy that is doubling Joel and Joel can just kick to Ben and he will shoot it with confidence that changes the whole world for them and suddenly the crunch time offense looks better it's it teams really have to make tough decisions whether they're going to leave guys alone I just I think it does so if he makes that corner three even if he's taking it and making it like a slightly below average rate that is a, a huge win for them so obviously long way before we get there but uh I that's probably enough. We'll, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back real quick to, uh, to talk about the rest of that 
that circus of a game against the Knicks. So I want to tell you guys about our first sponsor, Untuck It. The holidays are almost here, and you guys know what that means. Santa's coming. And what better gift to give the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right? Untuck button-down shirts usually look really goofy, and I can tell you guys this from a lot of experience. I wear untucked button-down shirts to, I'm going to say like 75% of Sixers games. They really weren't designed to be worn that way, but I do it anyway. Untuck It is here to help with a button-down shirt that's designed to be worn that way. Another thing I really tend to struggle with personally is that I really struggle to find button-down shirts that fit me. You guys probably know by now I'm tall and pretty skinny, and either the sleeves are too long on shirts that I buy, or the sleeves are too short on shirts that I buy, or they end up looking like a circus tent and they're hanging all over me. It's not a good look for me, and I'm sure it's not a good look for you. One of the many advantages of Untucked shirts is that they have 50 plus fit combinations, which makes shopping for shirts that fit you really easy compared to all the competition. And the best part is they have styles of all types, so you can look for wrinkle-free button downs, super soft flannels. You're gonna look stylish, at least if you have good taste anyway. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com, use promo code BLUE, that's B-L-U-E, for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com, promo code BLUE for 20% off. All right, thank you for bearing with us there. We are back, and I guess the only other thing to talk about is, you know, the whole rest of the game that maybe didn't involve Ben Simmons. I guess the uh, – it depends on which way you want to go. You want to go negative or positive here for us, Seamus? It's do negative first. Yeah, Negadelphian. I love it. Yeah. Keep, keep that same energy. Stay on that side. <laughs> uh, I guess the, the big loser – of tonight's game poor guy Al Horford just had an absolute nightmare of a game he was I believe when he came back in in the the fourth quarter at one point he was like a minus 20 somehow managed to climb that back up to a minus 15 and while single game plus minus is certainly not the end-all be-all or even indicative of what's happening some nights that felt very fair for how he was playing he couldn't make shots he couldn't seem to to find out where he's supposed to be a lot of the time what is your and he didn't even end up playing crunch time they uh no which i thought raised an eyebrow for me and i thought that was pretty ballsy from brett brown now benching horford is a little different than benching one of the more ornery members of the starting five so maybe it's easier to get away with with him he's kind of a, a a team first guy but What's what your concern level? First? <laughs> What's your concern level with the the whole Horford thing right now? Because I think offensively, obviously, it has been just a, a monumental struggle to get him and Embiid situated. So earlier in our podcasting this season, we said that like two weeks ago, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I didn't know the specific <laughs> episode number or anything. Yeah, and 
we talked about like when is it okay for to panic with this team overall i mean we said don't complain crazily about anything until christmas that seems like a fair date in the course of the nba season yeah what date are we allowed to start thinking that al horford is an orlando scandrick level boston oh man that (laughs) why would danny ainge let him leave why would Danny Ainge not draft Markel Fultz after meeting him. Maybe there's a reason he doesn't want to keep these people. You are giving Danny Ainge a, a lot of credit there, buddy. You might have your Philadelphia credentials revoked. Danny Ainge be is careful. better than any GM besides one the Sixers have had in like 25 years. <laughs> Am I wrong? But that's correct. <laughs> You're not necessarily wrong, but I'm just saying that's uh, those are strong words for a podcast about the Sixers. So watch what you say. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope he fails and his career ends in disgrace, but it, it's, <laughs> it's not going to, I don't think. Um, yeah, I mean, scandal even. I guess the the trouble, the the reason you would get really concerned about Horford at this point, at least on offense, I think defensively he's been fine, and they've been they've been fine with him on the court for the most part. Whether it's been okay though, like. I feel like they should be so much better defensively than they are right now. Yeah, but I don't. I wouldn't chalk up all their problems to him. No, 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 no. That and we'll get to that at some point. Probably not. Not tonight. today. Um, next week. But like all the offensive problems, unfortunately, are things that were foreseeable coming in, and when it confirms your suspicions and and or fears, it's hard to shake them and, and say, "Oh yeah, well, we'll I'll just wait around until Christmas and." I think we've talked about this a little bit before, Seamus, but the aesthetics of this team where it's just such a slog to get through these games sometimes. It's never going to be pretty. Right, it, it, and that makes it hard to say, well, they won anyway, and oh, they had this great comeback. It shouldn't have been necessary, number one. And so then you call into question the team construction and everything else, and I totally understand why people would be skeptical about the Horford thing working out, at least if he remains – in the starting lineup, which I, I don't think there's been no indication that anything's going to change there for quite some time. Although I guess the the Mike Scott move tonight was the first time we've really seen Brown have to make a, a tough decision there. I mean, how big of a failure would they feel doing that just two or three months into that contract? Yeah, and I mean, the other problem too is it's not like – so when Manu Ginobili moved to the, the – he was the super sub in San Antonio – he has the skill set yeah, of the super sub. Yeah, yeah. It's a guy who okay, he's coming in and he's he's given us instant offense and he he kills with the the second unit and he he finishes the games with the starters. Obviously, Horford's coming in and he gives you a lot and does a lot of things, but it, it's not like he's this offensive juggernaut and he's been far from it. So I don't know what sort of impact that that move makes and. It's it's uh it's a tough scene right now, Seamus. A tough tough scene. When we're talking about him coming off the bench, could you imagine during his Boston years or even his Hawks years, him coming off the bench and the whole national narrative being like the ultimate team player. This guy doesn't <laughs> care about anything. We should give him not only the sixth man of the year award, but an all star berth. Talk about the guy who does everything for you. Whereas now if he did that here, they'd be like, Uh, oh, the Sixers have an albatross. What is the origin of the world albatross? It's never applied to anything besides like a sports contract. Isn't an albatross an animal? Albatross, I think it's like a, a really albatross. Fat. I'm pretty sure here. I'm gonna actually Google um, this right now. It's a I bird. Think it's a huge bird. Yeah, it's not huge enough to for this 
connotation to have. I'm gonna say it's a very large. Ah, it's wingspan bird. is wingspan eleven foot. Yeah, that's like that's bigger than Rudy Gobert. That's a that's a yeah. big ass bird, man. But it doesn't look like like Nikola Jokic big is how I'm picturing <laughs> albatross in my head. <laughs> like a, a fat big instead of yes, a long like big. a hippo. Okay, that's fair. Well, yeah, it's, it's certainly. I'm not pl- applying the word albatross to anybody on the uh, on the team yet. I just yeah, I would say there could be two it, candidates. <laughs> I would just say it's very fair to have concerns about how they're going to make this work. And as we discuss on the podcast, quite literally two days ago, the a lot of the trades that they would make, I don't know that they changed the the problems there so we'll see i i I ultimately think some of a lot of the shots that he's missing he's gonna make eventually they're they're getting him wide open looks and i just think he's too good to to be as bad as he's been shooting at times for a whole season but like we said the other day it would be very philadelphian thing to happen for him to just just his talent just gets sucked into the shadow realm and never to be seen again yeah, it wouldn't surprise me, given the sleeper cell potential here. <laughs> okay, so a few quick hitters here before we before we leave. Who was the who's your number one role player of from the, game? the Knicks game? If you it's had to Mike, pick one guy, Mike Scott, obviously. Or did we not count him? Who'd you pick? Sorry, Mike you Scott. Cut out. Oh, see, I disagree. So Ennis? I think it was James Ennis. I thought yeah. James Ennis was was spectacular. That was one of the best James Ennis games that they've had since he joined the team big game james i and i think they both played well they both played well yeah no i'm not i'm not taking anything away from mike scott to say that i just think james ennis was right alongside simmons in that third quarter where there were a couple plays where other guys were just they turn the ball over and, and new york's on a fast break and ennis just books it like a 75 foot dead sprint to try to to get a block and transition and even even when you don't make those plays that sort of energy is infectious and I think between him and Ben that was the biggest thing that got them going obviously the the made threes that he had were great too and, and without those none of those plays matter but I think the one thing that he does consistently is play hard and and they need guys like that off the bench because I think we've seen with the the starting group there are still some some ebbs and flows in that respect I think he's earned the right to be the new spot starter. I do too. I and I think we didn't really talk about Furkan, obviously, because yeah, he just had a disaster of a game. But but yeah, I, I think that's the the logical guy to start when, when Richardson is out is Ennis. Unless well, you're if, going to even go, if like Embiid's out, you just slide everyone down. Yeah. And I, I think unless you want to go to a like a Trey Burke like they did in the the fourth quarter which i don't hate do that. i'd like to see him and even both him and nato to get both more minutes absolutely one or two of them marty yeah. teller our friend of the pod was making some good points about that on twitter this evening yeah and i said this in my recap that i wrote tonight was that we had to be subjected to the simmons mcconnell lineups that were just an absolute Ugh, dumpster fire disgusting so I don't know why we why Brett Brown wouldn't try to do some of that now that he has guards that can actually shoot and do the things that you'd want in that style of lineup and so I think the the early impressions were good. Burke spoke highly of 
of how e- how much easier his job is when he plays on, with somebody like Ben. I think Brett was was complimentary of of Trey after the game and using him in a he actually compared him to using him in a an Iverson type role tonight where it's just a <laughs> No, uh, not to Allen Iverson, just like, but to, just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, like a smaller guard yeah. making those same cuts and and playing off the ball doing all that. So that's something that even though I was I came in as like a netto guy, I I understand the the things that Burke brings to the table and so regardless of who they go with, I think they they need to toy with that some more. That was like uh the Phillies acquiring some random left-hander in the middle of the year. I'm trying to look it up and figure out whose name was and now. Gay Cowper's like, "Yeah, he reminds me of Cliff Lee." And he he just <laughs> meant, he meant like literally his left-handed wind-up and then it's like <laughs> Was it Drew Smiley or Jason Vargas? Uh, I think dude, it was Jason I, Vargas. No, I think it was Jason Vargas. Actually. Yeah, he, he threw his left hand. It was definitely him. He looks like well, Oscar I, Isaac, coincidentally. Well, Trey Burke and who's the other guy? Eric Maynard both got the the Allen Iverson comps in college, and that was and that was played for Brett Brown. And they both ended up playing for for, for Brown, Brown, new the new new uh, Australian men's national team coach. Well, he would not confirm or deny that yet, even though Ben Simmons actually so, yes. said he's excited to play in the Olympics for him next summer. Oh, is he going to play? After the game think, tonight. He said he's, he's definitely going to play as long as he's healthy, which was very strong. So You never know. <laughs> you never know. All right. Well, that's probably enough for an emergency overnight podcast. We appreciate everybody tuning in. I think, Seamus, you wanted to plug some stuff before we go here. Yeah, with uh... – the Blue Wire Podcast Network, we partnered with Design Trees, which is a Philadelphia-based printing company, t-shirt printing company. They've done this with a lot of different groups, podcast organizations, fandoms throughout the Philadelphia area. So we designed a tea tonight that is the classic NBA Jerry West logo, but it has, instead of you know Jerry doing his little crossover, it's Ben hitting that corner three with the NBA-style logo, and it says the shot on it. You can find it on our Twitter account for the podcast, my Twitter account on Design Trees, uh, that did Ben Simmons shoot a three Twitter account is also doing a giveaway for it that you could enter and retweet and follow us for. Otherwise, you just pick up a shirt for the hell of it, buy a great Christmas gift, send me something great to wear to a Sixers game this year. Look at you, Seamus, the professional ad spokesman. We do like eight podcasts and suddenly you're you're the advertising master. Well, I did. We did come up with the idea quick within like five minutes of the shot. I had uh, Drew Smith, the guy, trying to come up with the uh, mock up of it, I guess you could say. Yeah. Well, big shout out to Drew for, for coming awesome, through for yeah. us whenever Seamus has a, an idea that, that pops into his head. Uh, <laughs> Imagine all the ideas I don't share. <laughs> yeah, we have a few in the works that hopefully we'll be able to, to share with you soon. In the meantime, if you guys can subscribe that haven't already give us some five star ratings for the podcast no complaints only questions and and praise for us that's all we ask for and uh we'll talk to you guys soon see you Seamus see ya